Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Good morning. Morning. Um, so we will be reading from Proverbs 18, 1 through 8, but I would rather actually read this cute little note from a person in our church. Um, I will read it, Zane, I promise. Um, but <laughs> on our seat this morning, I got a note that says, be brave, you are awesome. Oh. And there is a fairy who left notes all around the church this morning, and she makes my heart skip. So Miss Kaylee Durgan, thank you, sweetheart. I needed this note this morning. So back to Proverbs. <laughs> An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. When wickedness comes, so does contempt, and with shame comes reproach. The words of the mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a rushing stream. It is not good to be partial to the wicked, and so deprive the innocent of justice. The lips of fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. This is the word of the Lord for us today, church. We say amen with me. Amen. amen. Let me pray for us before we sit down. I said, Lord, as we open your words this morning, can you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, can you open our hearts? Can we receive every good gift, every good promise, every good conviction, every good prompt that we need to receive today? Lord, we, we praise you. We want to live into the life that you have given us. Help us see that in your word this morning. And all God's people together pray. Amen. Amen. NBC. So we are coming to a close today on a series that we have called Tough Talks. And the premise of this series, we have talked about how to be a disciple of Jesus does not mean tough conversations disappear. As a matter of fact, to lean into the ways of Jesus usually means some tough talks will appear in your life. So this series has been about how do we navigate those? How do we go through those? Now, if you want just a uh, walk through memory lane here, I'm going to give it to you for where we've been because it has felt like this series has taken years to get done with. All right. We're on the last week, I promise. Uh, week one, we talked about why have tough conversations. In this one, we talked about how God in Jesus Christ has gone to great lengths for you to connect with you and to reconnect with you. So therefore, we are people who also go to great lengths to connect and reconnect with people. In week two and week three, we talked about what is it like to give tough words and receive tough words. These two are interconnected. If you want to know how to give tough words, first open yourself up 
to receiving tough words, and then you'll really know the ways to give tough words or not give tough words. Week four and week five, this one was all about not if you do something wrong to someone or they do something wrong to you and you need to have a tough conversation. These are the conversations that say, we are in disagreement. We do not see, we do not interpret, we do not find the world to be the same way as we see it. And how do we do this? Week four, we talked about how dangerous it is to just put people in camps, just assuming because someone may subscribe to one idea that you already can sum them up and know. The New Testament has some very strong words. The letters that are written are all to avoid this. Week five, we talked about disagreements. Talked about what's it look like for us to stay in unity together while we also agree to disagree. We talked about how that's a possibility. We talked about biblically how there's a word called disputable matters. There are some things that are going to divide us. There are some things when it comes to following Jesus that are just absolutely non-negotiables. But there's also times where we can agree to disagree as well. And we talked about all of this in the series. If you have any questions of the words I just said, I would consult the website to talk about those. Week six, how to move forward. Okay, so I'm calling this ser- this sermon uh, it kind of feels like the post-credit sermon. Like, you ever been to a movie where you like you stick around past the credits to be able to see, like, what's the last scene after that? Or, like, this sermon really didn't fit anywhere, but I, just, I felt like it still needed to stay, you know? So I'm just kind of taking a blender of, like, everything that kind of got chopped off. I'm just going to throw them together, okay? I'm going to blend it up for you. It's like a smoothie sermon. That's not in the script. <laughs> Uh, the question today is just, how do you move forward? So like once you have a tough conversation, once you actually get to a place where you're like, we disagree, once you've shared the observation that you feel like someone needs to hear in their life or they've done it for you, vice versa, how do you move forward with that person after the tough talk? Because as many of us know, to have tough conversations in our lives sometimes will end up costing us marbles. So there is this illustration that Brene Brown, she's a research and expert on courage and vulnerability. She uses this illustration when she tries to talk to her kid about what trust means. And she kind of describes it like this. Every single person in your life is kind of like a bowl of marbles. Everyone, every relationship you have has different increments of trust that is in it. And every single day that you exist, you either add trust, add marbles, or you take away marbles. So for example, uh, if you uh, follow up with someone about an appointment that they had last week, that usually gains you a marble. If you show up for a big event in someone's life, you gain a marble. If you take care of someone's kid, you gain a marble. Or you gain a marble, like just just a lot of marbles, right? But you can also lose marbles. When we do things like when we complain about people. When we say we're going to show up for plans and then we don't. When we say something that we know is sensitive to that person and we just kind of say it anyways, we can gain marbles and we can lose marbles. We gain trust every day and we can lose trust every day. And the difficult part about tough conversations, right, in a 
mature world where everyone's mature, having a tough conversation should actually gain you marbles. But all of us in here who are humans know that sometimes tough conversations cost us marbles, right? When we talk about the thing, we get very heated. Maybe when we went to address something, we chose the wrong words and it hurt someone. Maybe for some of us to bring up the topic that we did is a breach of our friendship that we've had before. Maybe we just got impatient or maybe we just find ourselves embarrassed that we felt like we had to bring it up. And when things go sideways, when tough talks are had and you really you work it out and you get to the end of it, we have a unique window to start rebuilding trust with a person. And we need to be wise in how we go about rebuilding trust with our words and with our conversations. Proverbs, the one you just heard read today, specifically in verse 2, is one I want to focus on. Proverbs puts it like this, fools, man, the Bible just does not hold back. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. The path of foolishness is one that just goes about the world and keeps saying things the way you've always said things or going about relationships the way that you had. But wisdom searches for understanding. I, uh, I lived into how not to live into this verse a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was in a uh, conversation with some friends and uh, I was a fool. Okay, I was uh, at the dinner table and uh, I, j- I just said the smallest opinion, small, small, super small. Super small. Uh, you know, I, it sounded probably something like this. Uh, I think La Margarita is the sorriest excuse of Mexican food there is in Round Rock, Texas. Um, and, and one person at the table said, excuse me? And, and I, I said, uh, you heard me? And she, and she goes, uh, when's, um, hmm, uh, when's the last time you've been to La Margarita? Ah, <sighs> oh, man, I... You know, I, I, I don't know. You know, have you been to La Margarita since you moved back to this area? No, I really haven't. How long has it been since you've been away from this area? Oh, about 10 years. 10 years. Do you remember what you ordered the last time you were here 10 years ago? And I was like, ah, you know, uh, it may have been a kid's meal for all I remember. And she was like, have you tried the stuffed avocado? No, ma'am, I haven't. You haven't tried the stuffed avocado. So maybe we should take it easy on La Margarita. Sure. The way of foolishness is just airing out your thoughts, just airing out your opinions. But the way of wisdom is understanding that we have an opportunity to gain trust with people. And we need to navigate our lives wisely after we have tough conversations to rebuild trust with people. I use the law of Margarita as a funny example. But I can also make this not funny really fast. How about like a couple like, uh, so how do you move forward after you were not on the same page with COVID policies over the past couple of years? How do you move forward with your spouse 
after you disclose something that you feel like is unhealthy between you two and it needs to get addressed? How do you move forward when you realize that the person who you worship next to every single Sunday views that policy that was released in America different than you? How do you move forward when your friend comes to you and says, I think you're the one that's in the wrong in this situation? How do we move forward wisely in rebuilding trust with people after those hard conversations? To counter the proverb today, I want to just suggest that one of the ways we move in wisdom is we begin speaking how God speaks in the beginning. We begin speaking the way God speaks in the beginning. Some of the first words of the Bible They come off like this. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, said, let there be light, and there was light. From this one verse, I want to finish the series of Tough Talks by just pointing out four ways in which God speaks and how we can speak to each other, keeping the nature of how God speaks in mind. And I want to highlight just four ways of doing this. The first one is to be curious. The second one is to be invested. The third is to be charitable. And the fourth is to be open. If you want to rebuild trust in your conversations and relationships as you move forward, it looks like embodying these four things. Now, I'm going to take some of the work um, from different people that I've been working with during this series. So Heather Holman is one of them. She is all about writing for Christians in a way to revitalize conversation after we've been so fractured the past couple years. I'm going to use some of her framework along with the Genesis text today. The first one that is highlighted is to be curious. It is really interesting when you look at God creating a world. God does not snap God's finger. God does not get a crew out there. God does not build it himself. God speaks. The sentiment is true. Words can create worlds. And in the beginning, when God speaks, he initiates something out there in the world. He doesn't get angels. He doesn't get a work crew. He doesn't get moment design. He says, I'm going to use words. Even small words are life-saving. My father is a first responder, and uh, I grew up in a household where I got to learn whatever he was learning. And at one point, he was a hostage negotiator. Uh, And I remember hearing him talk about how one of the keys of hostage negotiation, you didn't know you were going to come to church to talk about that today, did you? But one of the keys of it is small talk. One of the keys is small talk over and over again. Small talk is life-saving because it is harder to take the life of someone when they are a person instead of an object. Small talk can save our relationships. 
Here's how one early Christian actually said it, John uh, Wesley. He said, love is talkative. If you want to love someone, then talk about what they love to talk about. We can simply love people by seeing what interests do they have and actually talk because it builds trust with those people. And Heather Holman actually writes a decent amount of this. Of She's like, don't discredit small talk. Small talk does build trust. And she says, there's six conversations that people tend to like, if they're human, they like to talk about one of these six things, if not all these six things. But she uses a mental model where she's like, anytime I'm rebuilding trust with someone and I'm in that awkward scenario where I'm, I'm in conversation with them and I ask them questions and they're not really giving me an answer. And I'm like, wow, this is really awkward. She says, I use this list to think through. I ask some questions about who you're connected with. What you're feeling. What's, your de- what's a decision that's happening right now? What's something mentally you're working through? How are you doing physically? And then spiritual questions. Example that she gives of this. I think it's phenomenal. She uses the example of, you know, one time she went over to a neighbor's house and uh, she, she goes and her neighbor's son, who's 14, has just had knee surgery. And she finds herself in the living room with this 14-year-old and she goes, I'm a 45-year-old mom. I have no idea what I'm going to talk to this 14-year-old boy about. And so she says, well, you know what? I'm just going to start going through the list here. I'm going to start asking him questions. Has your girlfriend come to see you yet? Yep. Okay, that's it. All right. Nothing for social. Emotional. Does it hurt? No. Okay, all right. Doesn't want to talk about anything emotionally. Why'd you decide to get the surgery? Basketball injury. Okay, doesn't want to talk about anything. Cognitive. Uh, You know, like, what are you thinking about these days since you've had so much time to think? I don't know. Okay. All right. Physical. How are you feeling right now after the surgery? And the boy actually stops and he goes, you know, surprisingly well. Like, I actually thought that it was going to be worse. I'm not even taking all my pain medication right now. And I mean, they they got like really in my knee to repair it. And somehow, I'm doing better than I thought. Bingo. Small talk. What's he want to talk about? He wants to talk about how he's physically doing right now. If you want to build trust with someone, don't discredit small talk. That when God wants to create something in the world, He speaks. So if we want to create relationship with someone, sometimes it just takes us speaking. The second one is be invested. You know, it's interesting when God builds the world, God doesn't try to do the whole thing in one day. Scripture literally it says it like this, you know, God called the light day and He called... Uh, darkness by night, and there was, I know it's supposed to be was, it's still war, Uh, I apologize for that, that's a typo. Uh, There was evening, and there was morning on the first day. God does not create everything in one day. As a matter of fact, God takes six days, and then He still rests on the seventh day. If God's going to take multiple days to enter process into creating something, how can we assume we can build trust with someone in just a couple days' time? The process of rebuilding and gaining marbles is one of investment over time. We have to be willing to just invest in people's everyday lives. 
Uh, I did a wedding last week, and I said the quote, uh, trust is risk that is survived over time. And it was really interesting, after I did the wedding, I had multiple couples come up to me that have been married, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, and they were like, that's right, whippersnapper. That's right. Trust is risk survived over time. But it's trust over the small things, the small blessings, and the small burdens of life. That's where trust gets built. So if we ache, if we're aching to be like, man, you know, I wish I, wish I was as connected with them as I was a couple of years ago. I wish this person would be more interested in my life or ask me questions. One of the questions we just need to ask ourselves is, are we invested in the blessings and the burdens of people? People always have to walk me back. Like sometimes with people, I'll be like, you know, I just don't know what their problem is right now. And someone always has to ask me, but do you know what's happening in their life right now? That's affecting them to be that way. No. The third one is this. Be charitable. It's fascinating when you look at Genesis 1-3. When God wants to create, God is very concise with how many words God actually uses. God doesn't feel like He needs to throw all these words out. God simply just states, this is the reality I'm making. This is the way you live into this design. And then he hands it over to humans. The beginning of the Bible does not show you a God that is a helicopter parent or a boss that is wanting to be extremely controlling. God actually knows the power of a few words. And it may not hurt us to know the power of a few words as well. I ran across this thing called the Gettysburg Irony. Uh, people have pointed out historically how when there was the opening of the Gettysburg National uh, Cemetery, the keynote speaker got up and delivered a two-hour message at the opening of the cemetery. If I pre You wouldn't even hang on for two hours. Okay, Some of you can barely hang on to me for 20 minutes. Two hours. And then people have also noticed that when Abraham Lincoln actually gave the Gettysburg Address, the man used 272 words. That's a little bit under three minutes. The irony. I guess the thing I want us to say here, church, is it is inevitable. When you have tough talks with someone, those sensitive subjects are going to resurface. There are going to be times where you bump into that same thing, that you had that long, drawn-out conversation. And I guess I'm just trying to suggest that sometimes a few words is okay. To just simply state, hey, here's where I'm still at. Every time that subject comes up, you do not have to unload on people. You don't have to convince people. You've already had this conversation. One of my favorite analogies is from a writer by the name of Richard Langer who says that, you know, how beautiful would it be in church if our thoughts and convictions were more like an art gallery than they were a county fair? That when you came to church, you could see different thoughts and convictions. You could view them. You could dialogue with them. You could even give feedback to them. But it's not like a county fair. County fair is hectic, right? 
Everyone's trying to place. What's the first, second, and third place that goes with it? What if God's church was the one place people could go and see people who disagree still worship alongside each other? Who, when they enter the room, they say, I don't agree with everything. And that's okay, because unity is more important. That would be something for the world to actually see. And then the fourth is just this, is to be open. It's been highlighted several times. This phrase, when God says, let there be light. This is an instruction from God, but it is also an invitation of God. Let there be means there's actually room in what's going to happen next. This is, in essence, God opening up God's self to humanity. God creates a world, and then he actually lets humanity respond back. In other words, God's being risky. That God opens God's self up to literally other people. Part of the process of rebuilding and regaining trust is just us opening ourselves up to people. You know, and I want to put just a pastoral like caveat that goes with this. Um, there's wisdom and discernment that has to happen with how much you share. You know, I'm not sure it's the wisest to always be sharing more than what the person who is sharing with you is sharing. There may be times for that. There's nuance that's needed. I'd also highlight, you know, if you are in a, there's no expectation for you to share life the same way that you have been sharing life. As a matter of fact, if you're in that right now, socially or physically, you need to come tell somebody. You need to get out of that. There is nuance that comes with sharing life. It doesn't always mean we give people the same trust that we did last time. But for some of us, we need to just evaluate our motivations of why we share or don't share certain stuff in our lives. You know, one of the things I'm mindful of with my own soul work is if I'm hesitant to share something with somebody or like answer honestly to a question they give me, Sometimes that's just an indicator. I've got some soul work to do. I feel like, I don't know if I want to share that. Well, is there something about your image, Zane, that you're like wanting to hide or protect from people that you're trying to give off? Sometimes I find myself, I'm gas, but like sometimes I find myself like wanting to withhold information to make people earn like the trust or the relationship back. You know, if you've ever asked a question to some. Someone, and then they, they say back to you, like, well, what would you say? And you're like, uh, I don't know. I was just asking you a question. I wasn't expecting for me to answer a question. Sometimes there's soul work that needs to happen in us opening up because sometimes an absence of trust also means there's an absence of grace. Sometimes the soul work is for us. And this is why we need the good news of God in our lives. Because this isn't just our natural way of going about conversation, right? Like at times, we are standoffish with people. At times, we put ultimatums on our relationships. At times, we're dismissive of other people. Sometimes we withhold grace from people. And the good news of God and Jesus Christ is that God didn't choose to handle you that way. God and Jesus Christ entered tough conversations did not work around them or go around them. 
Jesus gave tough words. He revealed God's realities, no matter how awkward things got. And you know what? Jesus could listen to people he disagreed with. I mean, Judas was with the man. I'm pretty sure Judas and Jesus were on a different page of how the mission of God should happen. And Jesus could hold that weight because he knew he was doing something for the world that was important and needed. Uh, when we first started this series, one of the things we did was we passed out these rubber bands. Uh, I know most of you have given up on it, but I wore mine all eight weeks of it. And uh, the rubber band was basically to signify that you are prayerful and mindful of the tough conversation you may need to have in your life. And a couple weeks into the series, uh, someone reached out and they were like, all right, so I did it. I put on this ridiculous rubber band and I knew I had a tough conversation. So I went ahead and I did it. Not really because I wanted to do it, but because I wanted to get this rubber band off of my arm. Tugged at my hair. It was annoying. People asked me about it all the time. So he goes, I went in, had the conversation, and I walked out, and I felt so good. Do you want to know what I did next? I was like, you thanked God for it. Nope. You went and you told someone that you did it. Nope. So what did you do? I took that rubber band. I snapped it. <laughs> I no longer wore it. I broke it. There is no greater imagery of what Jesus Christ has done for us than that. He has broken the things that hold you back, that weigh on you, pull on you, nag on you, and have hurt you. Jesus has defeated those things on the cross. He has been resurrected. Jesus was willing to be broken to be able to enable you a new way of life. So all the things that hold you back from hard conversations, things like guilt, Gosh, I wish I would have handled that situation different. Things like shame. Man, I'm not the father that this family deserves. Moments where you said the wrong words. Shouldn't have picked that. Fear of what could happen. Jesus has defeated all of those things. He has enabled life to literally flow through. He has given His Spirit to help you facilitate those discussions. And the word of hope that I just want you to hear is I'm not naive. I know if you have tough conversations, they may not land well. I understand you may walk away and someone may be like, I still want nothing to do with you for the rest of my life. The hope of God is that is not the end. That moment where you lashed out, that moment where you were embarrassed, that moment where it didn't go as you planned, God does not see you in that light. God sees you as a son and daughter of the living God in Jesus Christ. And the hope of God is even if you don't experience restoration, unity, peace about that tough conversation, God in Jesus Christ, one day will bring about peace, unity, reconciliation. We can hold on to that hope. The first word of the Bible that God speaks to humanity, He literally says you. He says, 
this is all for you. He literally says, you have the freedom to eat and enjoy any of this. And the last words in the Bible that humanity says to God is come, Lord Jesus. In essence, you come. Begins with you and starts with you. Anytime you have a difficult conversation, you get to participate in the miracle of what God's doing, of bringing God and humanity closer together. Bridging the gap. And not only do you encounter that miracle, you give that miracle as well. So God, we thank you that you have given us this connection with you through your son. Uh, God, it, it, is, it is hard, hard, hard to know sometimes how to move forward in our different relationships. God, can your love of our relationship with you be so evident to us? Can it flow through us? And Lord, can it honestly just help convict us as well? God, you have given us so much in life with you. And pray, help us, help us leave that life with others. God, I pray for maybe those of us who we come to church today and we are just hurting. It's just hard to be here that we, we just couldn't feel like we could sing. Holy Spirit, can you come close to us uniquely and help us heal? Give us whatever the insights are that we need to know to take the next step to experience life in you. God, I also pray for some of us who came to church today that we were a little rough with our words. We were short with people. We have a situation that it's not as complicated. We just, our pride's in the way for us to, us to address it or bring it up. Holy Spirit, can you convict us to be your people of reconciliation? Help us. We need it. In Jesus' name, amen.